and welcome to season two of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. In this season, we're focusing on the fundamentals of financing your recruitment business, including the questions commonly asked and the different scenarios you and your business may find yourself in. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. And welcome to season two of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Alison Humphreys. I'm the MD of Recruitment Leadership. And for those of you who haven't listened to any of our previous podcasts, um, Recruitment Leadership is a business that works with owners and directors of recruitment businesses throughout the UK to help them achieve their ambitions. So whether they're in startup mode or even at the other end looking at a significant business event. Um, For season two, I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Russell, um, who is the Commercial Sales Director of Sonovate. Sonovate is a fintech provider for the recruitment and consultancy sector. Um, Something of a disruptor, actually, um, in that it doesn't merely offer funding, but also the technology um, to support growing recruitment businesses. So welcome, Nick. We're very pleased to have you join us. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So for our first episode on business financing, um, Nick and I are going to be talking specifically towards um, startups and newer businesses in the recruitment sector. So you may have been going for under a year. It may be that you've been operating a lifestyle business up to now and have changed direction. Um, Nick, the time from startup to seeking third party funding from organisations like Sonovate has shrunk quite dramatically for recruiters over the last 10 years. Can you give us your thoughts on why that would be? I think it comes down to to two main factors um, being technology and and demand. Um, There was 8,500 agencies who registered in in 2018, which is a 46% increase on on 17. And I think um, that the finance world has reacted to this. The, the audit trail, especially for a, a contract or temp recruitment company, is very desirable to the invoice finance sector. There's a clear deliverable there of, of a signed timesheet, um, which is very fundable um, as it's so robust from a, from a funding perspective. So I think with the influx of, of technology and funders, um, they have an access to a, to a very buoyant market of, of new start recruitment companies. And because there's so many of them forming and the ease to form um, and barriers to entry is a lot lower, uh, I think that people are being approached or on the the converse, the ability for the the recruitment company owner to access a funding partner such as a Sonovate is very easy now. Mm. It's interesting what you just said, given the the huge number of startups um, and the low barriers to entry in the industry generally, um, you said that nevertheless funding invoices was quite an attractive 
um, proposition for providers of finance. So those two things might seem to our listeners to be slightly contradictory. Why is it such an attract? I can see there's a growth market there, but why is it an attractive commercial arrangement for financing organisations? Because the, the the main asset in a recruitment company is a, their debtor book, so in short, their their invoices, um, and it's how can a funder ring fence themselves around the funding of that invoice um, at eighty five, ninety, or or in a Sonovate world, up to one hundred percent of the invoice. Um, the signed timesheet is, is collateral. Um, an authoriser has said that the contractor or temp has completed that work to a satisfactory standard, proceed to invoice. So it's a very robust audit trail which a funder is very happy to to put their name to and aggressively at high prepayment levels fund. Mm-hmm. Other deliverables and other products outside of recruitment um, can um, potentially have the impact of credit notes or of no what we call proof of delivery or sign off so it's a very desirable sector to, to fund the contract side and, and, and permanent to an extent. It's another conversation, obviously, and it's a different deliverable, um, but it, it's kind of belt and braces the sign timesheet. Right. Or, or we'd like to think anyway. <laughs> so at a very basic level, um, with the sign timesheet, it's a lot less hard, less um, easy to argue that the service hasn't been delivered than, say, paying for something that uh, a courier company claims to have delivered but is in fact thrown out the back of their van. Yeah, it, it's it's in the invoice finance world classed as a proof of delivery. Okay. So if somebody um, has ordered 10 chairs to be delivered and they get delivered um, but nobody signs for them and when they open the box there's nine chairs there and eight of them have got three legs, they're not going to pay for their chairs are they? Mm-hmm. If a contractor or a temp works there 40 hours for the week um, at the agreed rate and they turn up for all those 40 hours and the authoriser authorises the 40 hours of work, it in theory can't be disputed. Of course, if it was that easy, then credit note dilutions, etc., and rebates would never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a as a article of audit, it's a proof of delivery, which is, which is pretty strong. Right. So we've got a good proposition for finances. Um, therefore, it's facilitating more new people entering the market, the recruitment market. Arguably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can, as we all know, go on the internet now and, and put in finance for recruitment companies and there'll be a host of, of providers, advisors, brokers and funders who, who will come up. Um, but on the on the converse as well, companies such as Sonovate are aware of the growth in, in the new start contract market, the low barriers to entry. Um, and, and through technology, for example, you can have a facility set up in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's impressive. Okay. So I work with a lot of businesses that originally set up as a lifestyle business. And for obvious reasons, those people start with with permanent recruitment. Um, Usually that's their area of expertise, but it also brings in money quite quickly. But many of the businesses that contact me are frustrated because they're now stuck on this hamster wheel of permanent invoicing which means the clock goes back to zero every month um, every week even and um, they are really keen to break into a piece of the the sexy action which is temporary and contract and all those sustainable visible revenues Uh, but they don't quite know how to get there Um, so what's your advice for those organizations what what are their options and what might hold them back Firstly, and it's a good question this, and, and 
a, a very topical debate that I'm sure some of the listeners will agree with me and some won't. Um, a lot of these new start business owners, or, or even if they're you know they're not embryonic, they're a couple of years in, but they are they are solely perm. They're afraid to seek finance because they've been brainwashed previously by the large RPOs or corporates that they've worked for that you can't go out and set up a contract book. How would you finance it? How are you going to pay your contractors? And, and, and they listen to this, you know, and it's a way of retaining staff, obviously. So they start doing PERM. Um, and PERM, as we know, can be very volatile, but it's also very lucrative and there's no cost of sale. You don't have to pay the contractor's wages, etc. Um, it's, it's debatably lower and sorry, slower um, pace than, than contract, um, but it's all it's all profit. And if you are um, a, a, a single recruitment owner working on your own, you know, and you have a, a good month, it's a really good month because you've got no overheads. So the attraction of, of contract is obviously it's recurring income, isn't it? So if you get a number of contractors out um, and margins, as we all know, can, can massively vary, but it's, it's cash flow for you, isn't it? You know each month you can forecast, I've got 10 runners out and that will yield me a return of X. So my NFI will be Y for this month. Your perm is kind of the the icing and the cherry on top, isn't it? And if you can get a nice blend of, of, of contractor perm, then you know in theory you should have a, a very successful recruitment company. So they don't believe that they can get the finance, some people naively, um, to, to, to fund that contract book. How wrong are they? Going back to, to our previous conversation, it's a very desirable asset for us to fund. So um, they don't believe um, that they would want to give security, a lot of, of which there's probably over 100 banks, funders, um, and, and niche invoice finance companies and tech companies or fintechs, which we are, um, that want to take a lot of security, that want to commit you to a minimum fee for the year, that want to tie you into a, a lengthy contract, um, that want to impose um, fees for you not performing to your forecast levels, etc. Which is, is quite archaic. The invoice finance world for me hasn't particularly moved on. Some lenders have. Um, from a Sonovate perspective, we want to educate company owners on how can they access a flexible solution which is very highly geared, which enables them to scale but also isn't prohibitive that you have to pledge everything from 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 your company i.e it's not an all turnover agreement you know you don't have to use this if you don't want to you can be selective on the debtors that you do or don't put through we're not committing you to an 18 month or 12 month contract we're not taking personal security so it's almost a plug and play facility should you need it right now so just to be clear for some of our listeners who've got no experience of this you don't have to it's not an all or nothing arrangement so um it would be possible to say i only want to put um, half my debtor book through an organization like sonovate because with these others i've got terms agreed and i've never had a problem with them is that possible yeah so it's called selective debtor or selective invoice finance so what you can't do is and without going into too much detail do it invoice by invoice because Sonovate, for example, we, we only have one fee, but that encompasses all our all our products, i.e. the credit control, the credit insurance. If you want our back office provision, it also includes that, which I can go into more detail. Um, but we have other products whereby we don't provide the back office, it's just the technology which integrates your business and, and the funding. Um, but yeah, absolutely, you, you, you can put selective debtors through, but you wouldn't put selective invoices, because clearly, if you had client ABC and you put through 
half your invoices but not the other half of the invoices and they went bust you wouldn't be insured for half of the invoices mm -hmm. and also the credit control and the remittances where are they paying half the invoices to a sonobate trust account where are they paying the other invoices to your bank account and it get it gets messy then getting your clients to pay in general is difficult hence why companies like us exist but trying to tell accounts payable to pay two different bank accounts is, is not going to happen okay yes fair point thank you and my observation would be just to add to that that sometimes people can get the finance put in place um, but they still don't manage to roll out contract or temporary business successfully and quite often it's for more operational reasons so their all their sales processes aren't really set up for providing contractors I came across one business for example that was still sending CVs and trying to set up two interviews for contractors and surprise surprise the contractors had taken an assignment um, sometimes it's their commission and reward systems as well that aren't geared to reward the kind of behaviors that will instigate a successful contracts business and so we've got consultants who are saying well that's not worth it for the very small return I'll just carry on um, focusing on perm work so some directors in a startup position or micro businesses end up taking finance from friends um, or accept offers from uh, let's call them equity providers or even angel investors, investors yeah. so um, there are there are plus sides and downsides but very often this is an opportunity that just comes and presents itself to uh, a new business owner who may not have shopped the market so objectively what are the pros and cons of using those sources in your view yeah, and I will reiterate, it's in my view, because there is no right or wrong. And, and again, um, people have their own thoughts and, and quite strong thoughts on this. Um, si similarly to, to doing perm and moving to contract, the old saying is, why use your own money when you can use ours? You know, for a, for a very small percentage, given all the, the funding, potential back office provision and peripheral products uh, Sonobate would, would offer, you know, why use your own money when you could give that money to you know another part of the business to scale um, you could give it to yourself you know you why use your own money when you can use a small percentage uh, fee to, to have access to a big big pot taking angel investment that for me there's there's two reasons you would do that firstly if it's at the very embryonic stages do you need a cash injection into your business um, to set up so if you haven't Come into that scenario um, with with deep pockets yourself, then you may require the funds to do that. But obviously, you're giving away equity, which at a later point you may regret. Um, taking money from your friends, it's for me like doing business with your friends. I, I wouldn't really advise it unless your friend is recruitment specific and is offering more than just the pounds and pence into the business. Um, Such as, well that they are in recruitment themselves or they are a business leader themselves or they have got a track you'd like to think that if your friend has got enough money to invest into you then there's a reason why you know they've been in business ideally recruitment but it may be advisory or it may, it may be anything and sometimes having somebody non-recruitment in a recruitment company can work mm. but that's maybe later on in the journey I think when you're starting out you need to speak to people who have run recruitment companies successfully who've taken that leap of faith and if they are prepared to invest as well 
um, than even better and also it's commitment from them because clearly that investment whilst it's likely they'll get a very good return on it over the years they may not there's no guarantee that the recruitment company will be a success mm. but again if you're just financing your contract book um, then there are providers who will do that very quickly um, Sonovate for example we, we don't cap it so a lot of funders will say you have a facility in place it takes quite a long time to get set up and you have to sign reams and reams of documents obviously we're all echo sign it's all digital but we don't have a funding ceiling so the contractor could start on day one with one contractor and in theory could go up to a thousand contractors and Sonovate would be funding that contract book other providers would have a, a funding ceiling or cap as they call it whereby the funder doesn't want to fund over and above that limit mm -hmm. so let's call it five hundred thousand pounds for example mm -hmm. um, which is a good problem to have let's be honest yes <laughs> for the funder as well because other funders are charging interest whereas Sonovate aren't it's just a service charge mm -hmm. um, so if another funder increases that that funding cap which can be quite tiresome and, and going to credit committees and underwriters to authorize it obviously with ourselves it's already underwritten mm -hmm. um, they're going to earn more money so you, you question why wouldn't they increase the funding line because they're going to accrue more interest mm -hmm. so my my advice would be sometimes it's nice to have somebody in the business with you whether they're putting money in or not you know it, it is a hard task setting up a recruitment company and sometimes working on your own in that lonely office when you've been used to such a busy um, environment mm. you know where you've come from previously but if you're gonna have somebody involved do your research on them you're a recruiter you spend your life researching people for the right role make sure that you research a person that comes into your business a good point well made um, I work with I've worked with a number of businesses who've actually had to unpick these kind of arrangements later on and at the time when you're starting up any offer of cash that's just going to you know make you solvent for that month and literally pay the bills because it can be very hand to mouth in the beginning can't it um it, it can seem extremely tempting and um the enthusiastic new business owner is quite likely to say yes to the offer of ready money but without considering what happens when um there's no official input other than the money um, when the conditions of that investment aren't actually clarified um, and my advice would be no matter how friendly you are with any angel investor or um, or friend is actually to formalize what that agreement is what inputs are expected um, what kind of checks and um, balances can be made because unpicking those arrangements later on can be really quite an unpleasant and personal experience well let's remember as well what what's the reason why people are going on their own is it monetary is it to just go and earn as much money as they possibly can um, is it because they are entrepreneurial and they want to run their own business is it because they're sick of working with other recruiters so and again there'll be strong views on this from from, from the audience I'm sure but if you're going to give away a small proportion of your business and you're going to get something for that be it cash and or the right stakeholder in your business then I think from day one that that can be a wise move as we all know there are organizations out there that specialize in setting up recruitment companies but they take a large proportion of equity for that mm. and to the extent that you can't unpick it because you know that they, they are the majority shareholders mm. so why why would you do that you may as well stay in employment a good biller can be earning 30% commission plus their salary mm -hmm. so they're probably coming out with around 35 to 40% anyway 
So why would you set up on your own and give away over 50% of your company on day one? Mm -hmm. That to me, unless there is such a industry specific um, organization that is literally gonna catapult and scale you that that 50% or whatever it is that you own is worth an awful lot. It's 50% of of a lot, Mm -hmm. but 50% of a new start recruitment company is 50% of not nothing, but not a lot, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think what you'd ha- remind yourself of why you're going on your own um, and, and choose carefully yeah. if you're going to have somebody with you that it's, it's the right person. I think that's a really uh, good point. So um, I have worked with one business where the reason they took that investment was because they, they had a game-changing idea um, about a, an automated system that would... Um, give their whole product offering a completely different feel and would make their growth, their scalable growth, so much quicker. But they couldn't fund the initial investment in that development on yeah. themselves. So with clear arrangements, that's probably quite a good argument. Would you agree to take investment? Yeah, and, and if you need seed capital for, for a particular reason to, to, to grow the company from day one, then absolutely, and that is a different conversation, I think, isn't it? Mm. Um, if, there, if there's an, an absolute desire and objective which needs cash on day one. But if you are a conventional, worked in recruitment, wanna go on your own, um, but you need a few quid because you've been spending it whilst you've been in recruitment, um, just be careful who, who you take the money from and Indeed. make sure that you're getting something back from it. And But if you do, if you do take investment and, and give away equity for it, fine, plenty of, very successful recruitment companies do that, but I would also have an SLA or, or an agreement on, on what tangibly you expect to receive from that investor because you've had your money, so they've mm-hmm. ticked that box. They will probably want their money back within 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. They will probably want a form of remuneration ongoing for that. Now, which are all fine by the way, but what's the agreement that they give you back for that? Because they're not gonna come and sit next to you and bill, you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. Your board meeting consists of you and them, which you know you can do at cost of coffee kind of thing. So, when it grows, what do you now? It might be that you don't get anything from them, and that actually in three years' time you do have proper board meetings and it, the investor chairs them, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as long as you agree, because that's as you say, Alison. Once the business starts to evolve and scale, a lot of owners start wishing they hadn't taken the investment, and then asking themselves, well, what am I actually getting from my investor who owns X amount of the business? Yeah, because you're doing all the work yeah. and a large chunk of the benefit is going to them. So it's important to just be open, like have your eyes wide open. So on a, on a very detailed level, some of our listeners will be thinking, okay, so going to an organisation like Sonovate to get some business financing sounds attractive. Step by step, what's involved in onboarding a new client who's let's let's assume a you know a micro business. So from a new start or a micro business, it, it, it's very it's very slick. Um, it's all automated. You you would speak with the sales representative. Obviously, we'd want to find out about your background. Mm-hmm. You know what you're intending to do, who you intend to work with, the sector that you're that you're working in, who your clients are. So do some kind of um, upfront due diligence on obviously the agency and the agency owner. Um, we require some, some you know mandatory information from you for credit checks um, and also to, to evidence the person is who they say they are, et cetera, but that's, that's completely standard. Um, but then you would have access within 24 hours to your, your online dashboard um, up to 100% 
funding of the invoices. Um, a, a great scenario, assuming that the, the debtors, clients or customers, whatever semantics you use, um, are, are credible, then we will allow up to 100% concentration, i.e. the recruiter has one client on one day. A lot of other funders will say, we, we can only allow 30, 40, 50% concentration. Sonovay wants to remove that barrier and say, of course you're only gonna have one client on day one. It'd be great if you don't, if you have two, but it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. You know, we will, assuming they're credit worthy, fund them at that level. So you know straight away, not only am I getting the funding, I can have it at that level with one client. And secondly, Sonovay on, on this product for the new start will also payroll my contractors for me as well. Mm -hmm. So you get your margin every week and your contractors get paid every week and all you've done is enter a placement onto your Son of Eight portal. Mm -hmm. In in theory, um, and, and don't hold me to this, but you could put on a contractor's placement, and let's say it, it ran for three months, um, and as long as the timesheets, which we provide as well, by the way, the processing of timesheets and the, and the authorizing, it's all done through um, online or via our app um, for Android or, or iOS, um, and the contractor would get paid and you would get your margin and you could be sat on a sunbed. <laughs> okay, well, we, that sounds, we, like, a, we sounds even, like a great We even prompt you, Alison, as the three months is, is, is nearing to try and extend the contract for another three months on the sunbed. So <laughs> that, that, that I mean, and obviously I'm, I'm joking, that's not how, how people would want to scale, but in theory, it does manage the whole back to front office yeah. process for you. This this product for the, the New Start embryonic agency or micro agency mm -hmm. um, and takes all that logistical um, work away from you because recruiters are, 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 are billers, they're, they're salespeople, they are, you, they should be spending their time on the phone, doing their BD and placing contractors or, or perm placements. They don't wanna get, you know, burdened down with payroll and, and contracts and, yeah. and, and processes in detail. You know, m m myself included, we're, we're not people who are great at administration are we <laughs> okay so before you onboard a new client though you said that this can all be in place within 24 hours but there must be some kind of audit that that um, financing organizations do on the clients before they take them on yeah so what would that involve for a, for a new start so they would they would fill out a online a son of eight form um, so who what's the company what's the company registration uh -huh. um, are you VAT registered um, what are your bank details? Are you a homeowner? Um, we would obviously perform a credit check on them um, and look at their debtors. But in that scenario, Alison, there isn't a lot of due diligence we can do. We are obviously promoting that we will fund a new start, but by virtue of the fact it's a new start, there is no historic information to conduct diligence on, really. Right. So, for example, uh, um, setting up a business bank account, people yeah. ask for three years of accounts, but you, you are a bit more realistic yeah. about how that can be done. Yeah. So you're well, not asking for, for three years of trading history or anything like that. that. We, we know they haven't got it. Mm -hmm. this, is, this product is designed for the, the, the recruitment consultant who sat in, in their office thinking, God, I want to go on my own, but how, how do I do it? You know, how do I pay people? How do I set up a bank account? what does VAT registered mean? How do I pay, you know, all that is done. We just need to make sure that you are compliant. Um, there's no adverse on the, and when I say adverse, we, we you know, we'll come onto it later on, but you know, serious adverse information on the recruitment owner mm -hmm. that you've got a compliant 
company. We would like to know things like who is your accountant, obviously, um, but we don't advise you on who you should use. Um, but yeah, it, it's a quick process. It's an online process. Right. So uh, a business owner wouldn't have to provide personal guarantees then? Is that... Not with Sonobate, no. Okay, all right. Which is a, a, a big barrier to a lot of people because mm. it's scary you know a personal guarantee is, is is what it says it's against the person but normally um that relates back to whatever assets they have which is normally somebody's house and that's when they get scared so mm. no we, we don't ask for personal guarantees so you did mention earlier about serious adverse information just give us an example of what that would be fraud you know if somebody's committed fraud mm -hmm. um if they are a serial credit evader um, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. CCJs, those kind of things. CCJs. I mean, listen, people people do silly things in their lives, don't they? It depends what the CCJ is for, and if it's been satisfied. You know, we're not going to condemn somebody um, if they have had poor credit when they were at university because they were spending too much on their mum's credit card. Okay. Um, but if if there is sizable um, credit risk to us, then of course we, we've got to take a view on that. Okay. Um, so this has been the first episode of our season two of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Nick, thank you very much for your comments, which I'm sure will be an eye opener for an awful lot of startups and um, very small recruitment businesses about just how easy it can be to scale their business dramatically. Um, the podcast is produced by Generation Nexus and contact details for Nick and uh, myself will be available you've been listening to the recruitment leadership podcast if you enjoyed our podcast please subscribe review and share so that others can find the podcast too we really appreciate your support if you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership and sonovate please email allison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast we're also on LinkedIn, where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. <laughs>